This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and on today's podcast, we have a great conversation with David Murrow. David is not a pastor, professor, or theologian. He's just a guy in the pews who noticed a disturbing trend, that churches are losing their men and boys. So he wrote a book titled, Why Men Hate Going to Church, which became an instant Christian bestseller, with more than 100,000 copies in print. His efforts have spawned articles in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Chicago Tribune, to name a few. You may have seen him on PBS, NBC Nightly News, or the Fox News Channel talking about the gender gap. David makes his living as a TV producer and writer. He's married with three children, six grandchildren, and lives in Alaska. We'll also leave links to his book in the show notes. And now our conversation with David. Well, this is one of those special podcasts I always enjoy doing where I get to interview uh, interesting people, people with a message, with interesting insights into leadership, into the church, uh, into the kingdom of God. And uh, today I've got a very special guest all the way from uh, outside of uh, Anchorage, Alaska, uh, David Murrow, who's written uh, a number of books. And I remember uh, first hearing of David a number of years ago uh, when I I began running into his uh, very, very uh, influential book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. And uh, and I I began hearing all kinds of men's groups and churches and other uh, groups quoting him and uh, being impacted by him. And, uh, and and so I've heard about him for a while, but it's my delight uh, to actually have him on the podcast today. So uh, David, welcome and uh, welcome for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. It's <laughs> nice to be with you. And I know you've got a lot on, on the go even uh, now, but uh, David, tell us uh, a little bit about just what you do, because I know you've written uh, several books that are, uh, are, are right dead on where the church and Christianity is, uh, but uh, tell us what you do and why you live in Alaska. <laughs> oh, mar- married a girl from Fairbanks and the rest is history. So um, we, uh, yeah, the, the, the kind of thing that got me into this whole gender thing was uh, when you work in, I, I work in television. I've had a television production company for over 30 years. And one of the first things you learn in the TV business is that there are certain ways to communicate with men versus women. Hmm. There are certain programs that attract men, certain programs that attract women. I began in the advertising business and there's, you know, it sounds like stereotyping, but it's actually true. There's certain words and images that are more attractive to women than men. Hmm. And so one day I was sitting in church and noticed that most of the words and the symbols and the things that were going on in church were very similar to what I had encountered in the media, uh, the, the things that were designed to attract women. And so I thought, gosh, and then I looked around and I counted noses and over 60% of the noses around me had lipstick underneath. (laughs) So I began to think, you know, every time I'm with Christians, there's usually more women than men. And the women seem to get it in a way the men don't, you know, the men kind of seem dragged along or they're just not uh, as as engaged as the women. So I thought, well, there's got to be a book about this. And so I went on to uh, this is back in 2005. There was this brand new site called Amazon.com. I went around there and looked and saw, and you know, there really was never a book about this. And mm. so I prayed about it, and God said, "You write it." Mm. And so I, we released uh, "Why Men Hate Going to Church" in 2005, and the New York Times called, and the Wall Street Journal called, and I mean, I had really touched a nerve, really identified something that was uh, a problem, not just in a church, but a, an issue from a secular perspective as well. People were w- asking, "Why are there always more women than men in church?" Hmm. 
And you mentioned, in fact, that of the world religions, I mean, like Islam is is uh, has a predominance of men in it. And that's correct. But yeah. uh, atheists, there's more uh, predominant men. But Christianity, yes. you said, is the only major world religion where there's more women than men. Yeah, let me let me put a finer point on that. There are uh, most religions, with the exception of Islam, have slightly higher female participation than male participation. Hmm. Islam is the outlier. Uh, Mormonism, uh, uh, you know, Latter Day Saints usually more men than women, but that's because of their heavy emphasis on the male mission, the young men's mission. Hmm. But among most world religions, uh, women uh, predominate slightly in. Christianity, it's a it's a huge gender gap. Usually, uh, in the, here in the U.S., the typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's sixty one percent female. No mm. other religion comes close to that. Mm. And a lot of overseas missions, the leadership is seventy eighty percent female. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a huge issue, and it's worldwide. Every strain of uh, Christianity, from Catholicism uh, through um, uh, evangelicalism uh, has this gender gap. Interestingly, there is one uh, strain of Christianity that is uh, about gender balanced, and that's orthodoxy. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, American Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, the very uh, ceremonial, you know, smells and bells, very traditional, tends to draw as many men as women. Well, wow. and now I, I, I noticed also you said that among Christian churches, by far the one that had the biggest gender gap between men and women was the African-American church. Um, yes, you, that is correct. Was there, is there a reason for that? I mean, and, well, now, yeah, now we're getting into the weeds a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting you in trouble here. <laughs> I, I, boy, yeah. Um, no, I think uh, the African-American church is renowned for several things. First of all, very emotive worship services, expressive mm-hmm. worship services. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you think of being publicly emotional, Men pay a price for that. Yeah. You know, when we teach boys from a young age, you know, big boys don't cry. They don't show their emotions. They hold their cards close to their vest. Yet when we, a, an African-American man enters a church, there's a lot of people getting very excited, very emotional, crying out, maybe even crying or weeping or jumping over a pew. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you know, yeah. that's that's sort of the reputation is very emotional. Yeah. So so women have an easier time showing emotion in public than men. Uh, the other strike against uh, predominantly black churches is the length of service. Traditionally, yeah. black churches have gone two or three hours with sermons that go 90 minutes or more. And, uh, you know, men are much less likely to, to, uh, find that engaging than women. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's very interesting to me. And, uh, I mean, this this book is just packed with, uh, interesting, uh, surveys and statistics and and insights and, uh, appreciate your humor as well. You had me laughing a number (laughs) of times, just the way you said things. Uh, I I might not admit it in public. I laughed at some of the things you said, but I did privately. Uh, but you, you said, uh, one thing that uh, I think is just so sobering, uh, and, and you, you said it, uh, it's kind of slipped in there, but you said uh, if you find a church that's seventy percent female, you might as well begin writing at the church's obituary. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm sure that some of our listeners are thinking, "Well, who cares if there's more women than men?" Uh, but, but there is a there is a concern uh, for that. There, there are consequences. And uh, yeah, right. And, and why why is that? Why is it so? I mean, there might be say, "Well, you know, that why should we care? Women, uh, we kind of know women carry the the freight for a lot of." stuff like that but um but but there are consequences that are quite uh, sobering to the church if if we don't change those trends and so wh- why is it that if you've got 70% females in a church um the church's future is in doubt 
Well, I think uh, the church has to be men, women, black, white, brown, young, old. It, it needs to be a diverse community. Hmm. And what we're finding is churches, as churches are planted, they tend to be close to gender balanced. Uh, if you think about the gifts that a church plant needs, it needs strategic planning, it needs aggressive evangelism and outreach, it needs to make a stir in the community. Uh, these are all things that you know men tend to excel at. Men are usually more aggressive when it comes to evangelism. Uh, men tend to be, you know, guys are all about strategic plans and outreach and, you know. Um, and then as a church ages, it tends to focus less outward and more inward. And these are the things that women tend to excel at, tending of relationships and making people feel comfortable and loved. I'm not saying these things are unimportant, mm -hmm. but if, if they become the primary focus of the church, then churches begin to decline. And so we have hundreds, you know, probably 150, 200,000 churches in America that are either in plateau or decline. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes these churches are, even though there may be men, there may be a man in the pulpit, the de facto leaders and the, the driving force behind the culture of the church is the women, mm -hmm. usually older women. I call them, you know, grandma-driven churches. Mm -hmm. And these churches are very nurturing, they're very loving, but they're not reaching out to the community other than maybe in social service. Uh, they have very little concern for evangelism and church growth and young families and, and the things that propel and drive, uh, drive the future growth of the church. And so that's what happens is you have these grandma churches and they, you know, they're 70 or 80 percent female and you can pretty much write their obituary. They ain't coming back. Because yeah. honestly, if, uh, if you're a young man, you know, you're in your 20s and you walk into a church, and you see a bunch of old grandmas. Uh, are you going to think this is something for me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, you you um, there, there's just uh, there's lots of stuff that resonates, I think. And you, you say this a number of times. You'll say, well, just think about your own experience or uh, and when you stop and think about it, you realize, yeah, that's that's what I've seen. And one of the one of the big ones that I know your book had a had a big impact on was just the whole area of of worship. And, 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 and you, you have an interesting discussion about modern worship that's come into the church, how in some ways that's, it's been good. Um, but in, in a lot of ways, the, the, the things we do in church now are, are very much speaking to women and, and women's needs. And, and not only are they not attractive to men, they might actually be repelling men. Um, mm -hmm. give, give us some examples of just the things that happen. You, you, you go into it, a worship service, you're a man, maybe you've been reluctantly sort of dragged there by your wife in the first place. And then the church starts asking you to do things that are, could just be all but emasculating sometimes. Um, yeah, right. Well, this, this is a tough one to talk about now in, in the light of COVID and the social distancing, because at, that COVID has wiped out a lot of these intimate practices I talked yeah, about yeah. in the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, one of them is, you know, hand-holding and hugging. This A lot of churches are very touchy-feely. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, this is not, this would not be a problem for men who know each other well, who are, you know, consider themselves buddies or brothers. They'll give each other a hug. What I'm talking about is, you know, in a culture where everyone is supposed to hug everyone else, uh, if two men are forced to hold hands next to each other or lock up, you know, in a, in a hug, that can be tough. Mm. Um, the, you were talking about the worship songs. Uh, I, I would say around the turn of the century, there was a very, very, um, feminine feel to our worship songs. You know, Jesus, hold me close, love me, hold me to your bosom, you know, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. these sorts of expressions that yeah. they almost sound homoerotic if I, if I might, you know, it sounds yeah. like the songs that a man, it, like it just, it just, it's uncomfortable for a man to say those words to another man, even if his name is Jesus. Hmm. Uh, the undertones just aren't right. Um, 
we uh, we used to have songs in the church that spoke of battle and blood and you know conquering and these sorts of things. They were called hymns. I, perhaps you remember those. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this, they're not Onward sung Christian too much. Soldiers. Any, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't sing that anymore. They're too warlike. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the imagery has gone from uh, a lot of the hymns so, spoke of our mission. Uh, today's uh, praise and worship songs talk about our relationship. And so men mm. tend to be more motivated by mission. Women's, women tend to be more motivated by relationships. Mm. And if you doubt me, you know, just look at the movies women choose to watch. You know, it's chick flicks. It's all about a relationship. Men tend to watch, you know, hero movies where there's a, there's a mission. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's overlap between the genders. I know I'm generalizing, but, but generally speaking, men will not choose a chick flick. Uh, they don't read books about relationships. They don't pick up People magazine. Uh, they're not as relationship-oriented as, as the women are. And so when the gospel is reduced to a relationship in our worship or spoken of as a relationship or an intimate time <clears throat> with God, with lots of imagery of relationships, it's just not quite as appealing as it is to women. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I, I know churches meant well, but I, I, I remember visiting a church one time. My cousin was actually the new pastor there. And, brought my three uh, kids with me, my wife, and, uh, and it was one of those smaller churches that had this family feel to it. And at the, and it, it had been a great service. Everyone felt their hearts were all warmed and it was ready to close in prayer. And my cousin, uh, just following really the church tradition said, you know, just, just reach out and grab hands with the person next to you or across the aisles. And, uh, my daughter was, uh, maybe 12 or so at the time or 11 and, and she's at the end of our family unit. And so she looks over to who she needs to hold hands with. And it's a frazzled looking man uh, that looks like he's probably a street person. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget the horrified look on my daughter's face that I've got to hold hands there. And and I remember talking to my, my cousin afterward and saying, now, why do you do that? Like, why, why would you subject people to have to hold hands with strangers. You have no idea. I mean, if you know that the church is going to do that every Sunday and you're, you're a man that you'd, you'd look around for maybe an attractive woman or a young girl or, (laughs) and you'd make sure you were sitting across the aisle from them. So you got to hold, I mean, it's like, think about all the, the opportunities for abuse and discomfort there. But, um, but these churches were trying to be friendly and in their right. in their effort to be friendly, they were actually scaring people away from ever returning. You know, my daughter was, if we ever were going to come back, she was going to plant herself squarely right between her two parents. <laughs> and so she yeah. didn't have to shake hands with anyone else or hold hands with anyone but well, relatives. And you, you, you bring up a good point. I mean, none of these things that are man repellent are done out of a sense of, hey, let's make men uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're done either out of a sense of tradition or wanting to create that warm, intimate environment. But... But what we have to understand is that warm, intimate environment is really more comforting to older folks and women. Yeah. And the the target audience of when Jesus started his ministry, you know, he went out and found 12 young men. Hmm. And so is he, what is he telling us? Is he telling us he's a sexist? No. What he's telling us is you build on men and then out of that comes diversity and increase. You've hmm. got to take care. You've got to get your guys in the door. And hmm. I don't know if it, I don't know if you've read through to chapter 16 of the book, uh, the secret of the mega churches though yeah. has, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, you know, how, how do mega churches become mega is they immediately target men. Hmm. Probably the two most famous church planters of the late 20th century are Bill Hybels and Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. And both of those men started their churches targeting a mythical male parishioner. 
Yeah. And it's not that they didn't care about women, but they knew if they got the guy in the door, they were going to get the family in the deal. Yeah. And of course, and so the they, statistics yeah. are so much higher, aren't they? Like a, a, there's lots of single moms or moms who come to church with the kids when dad's still home, but far, far less likely that dad comes to church with the kids while the, the mom is at home. It's uh well, and yeah, and the, and the studies show that religion is much stickier when ma- when uh, dad participates. Hmm. When the kids look up and they see their dad, you know, loving and serving the Lord, they are much more likely to follow in that faith journey. You talk to any youth leader and you ask them, uh, you've got kids whose mothers bring them and you got kids whose fathers bring them. Now, who which kids are stickier in the faith? Hmm. And it's almost 100%. If the, if the dad believes... Those are the key kids in the youth group. Those are the ones who are sticking with the faith. If, if it's, you know, mom dragging them to church, you've got a much higher level of uh, apostasy in the next generation. Yeah, yeah. When you, and you had, you had a, well, just lots of uh, great points uh, that uh, has had such an impact. But, uh, you know, you, you talked, too, just about uh, the effeminizing of Jesus. Uh, then mm-hmm. the, you go into children's Sunday school r- classroom and most of the pictures of Jesus, uh, he's with children for one thing. He's maybe in a field with flowers or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, it's a very safe, uh, but, it, but, but we've, it, you, you had a good point. It's, it's like we've, we've linked Jesus with children. And so yeah. when you grow up, that's a childish thing. Uh, and so then we wonder why 70% or more of our young people that, grew up going to church every Sunday are leaving the church once they go to college. Uh, Well, there's good news on that front, though. Uh, When I wrote the book in 2005, those images you speak of, Jesus with children, you know, cartoons of Jesus with puppies and children and butterflies, (laughs) that that was really the predominant image you would see. And um, I actually, I think our ministry has had an impact in that, Hmm. because especially I've become friends with Tom Schultz, who's the uh, president at Group Publishing, and they're one of the largest Sunday school publishers, non-denominational Sunday school curriculum publishers, and they also do the VBS. Hmm. And ever since Tom and I have begun talking and speaking regularly, he has really kind of buoyed up. I would call it his uh, materials. Hmm. And so as I go into Sunday school classrooms now and I see VBS curriculum, there is definitely more of an emphasis on the things that boys like. The The images look more adventurous. You know, instead of using a lamb, they'll use a lion. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, they'll talk about shipwrecks and or um, they'll they'll use the more adventurous parts of the Bible and I don't really see as many of these images of G- gentle Jesus, meek and mild, which, by the way, the reason our Sunday school classes looked like that 20 years ago is because grandmas bought those curriculums because that touched grandma's hearts. Yeah. They were the Sunday school superintendents. Uh, today, uh, youth ministry and children's ministry is definitely being run differently. And I'm actually very encouraged mm. at the images of Jesus. Jesus is doing adventurous things again. And mm. I'm actually <laughs> very encouraged by that. Wow. Well, I know you, you had a discussion about uh, Jesus, the lion and Jesus, the lamb. And, uh, yes. the, 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 certainly women were, were far more attracted to the lamb image than the lion. Uh, mm-hmm. and you, and, and I, th- I think the numbers are probably still fairly, uh, steady, but, uh, in the book you say about 75% of Christian products are being purchased by women. So if you, when you look at the, uh, it was interesting, uh, you know, the, the, the men's section or the women's section in, bookstores or Christian bookstores, uh, or just who buys them. I, I know I was involved with uh, trying to get a, a Christian movie 
uh, we're still working on uh, on uh, what God did in a, in a prison, a men's prison. And mm-hmm. uh, great, great story uh, of redemption and power of God. But uh, but I'll tell you, the number one concern with the movie producer was, but women are going to buy most of these Christian movie tickets or they're going to rent the film to show their family. And women, just they're not into Mm-mm. men's prison movies. <laughs> right. So it may be a great story, but uh, they, they just, they painted the picture and said, now think of a, a mom with two or three kids. Um she's the one that we're trying to convince to take her family to see this film. And uh, what are the odds of that? So yeah, um, the, the mini, the minivan mom, that's what I call her. Yeah. And, and, uh, she's, she is the target audience of, uh, most Christian products. And, you know, the Christian product market is struggling right now. I mean, our hmm. major outlet was Lifeway stores yeah. and Christian bookstores. Those are mostly gone now. Yeah. There are, there are a few independent Christian bookstores that are hanging on there. But, you know, the channels through which Christian products are sold is changing, and it's actually an opportunity to reach more men, I think, because, you know, Mm -hmm. when you came into a Christian bookstore, there was definitely a feminine milieu there. You know, there was the simmering potpourri and the flowers (laughs) on the wall, and, you know, you could definitely tell it was a a female space. But now, you know, online, is you don't have a female feeling anymore, so we have an opportunity to to get more men. Well, you you do talk about that, just uh, the fact that men are, that the churches have have been kind of decorated uh, to by women oftentimes. Uh, you know, we, especially if those of us who grew up in smaller churches, uh, there was usually some flower lady that, you mm-hmm. know, kind of messed around with the arrangement at the front of the church or there were some quilts made or th- different decorations made. And uh, you didn't see any of the men lingering around afterward to try to jazz <laughs> up the auditorium or the, you know, the platform. <laughs> that we, uh, should, we, should we go with a different kind of potted plant here by the pulpit? You know, they, they, this, this, <laughs> that wasn't. So, so when men, uh, so when men walked in, they, they kind of scanned around and it's like, uh, this is, this is not, you know, Bass Pro Shop we just walked into. You know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and we, we don't, you know, there's there's some things I think that you address. Uh, for instance, in that regard, we tend to to sort of think, well, men don't care about stuff like that, you know. Uh, but you, you kind of point out, well, men are they're very spatially oriented. They they do size things up pretty quickly, um, and uh, you know, appearance does matter. Um, and uh, do you do you find uh, that that's still affecting the way people are? I mean, growing churches. They yeah. tend to do things certainly much more, I think the way you describe it, is just professionally. Right. Let, let me address that in a couple of different ways. Uh, you said that it really doesn't matter to men how a space looks. I mean, that, that's at the end of the day, that's true. I mean, men will worship God in a beauty parlor or a <laughs> in the, the lingerie section at Nordstrom. I mean, if God's presence is there, they'll worship. But, but all things being equal, a man will not go into a female space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel uncomfortable going into Joanne's fabrics. I, <laughs> not not because not because I feel unwelcome, but because I, because I feel like it's not my space. These mm-hmm. are I'm not interested in sewing. I don't know anything about it. Most of the people in there are women. It's now I go next door to Home Depot. I feel perfectly comfortable there. Hmm. So that that fortunately, again, since I wrote the book 15 years ago, the decoration motif in many churches has completely changed. And this, again, the megachurches have been taking the lead. They have been definitely decorating or not decorating their spaces, as it were. 
they've made them look more more like a theater, more like a just a secular auditorium. They've been using more natural brick and wood and stone to to make it more gender neutral or actually slightly toward guy type things. I know of a church in West Virginia that they the guys read my book and then they completely they built a new like four million dollar sanctuary and made it look like a hunting lodge. The place <laughs> is beautiful, a soaring rock fireplace, uh, you know, mounts on the wall, animal mounts on the walls, and boy, the guys just love to come in there. Hmm. So you know, it, it, it's definitely a secondary concern. But but if your church is decorated according to the grandma motif with the flowers and quilts and you know these felt these felt banners that you know were cut out. <laughs> or the other thing would be the uh, the uh, kindergarten style um, construction paper and photographs and yarn for your missionaries. Oh, yeah. You know th- <laughs> those things on the walls. You're you're really sending a message to men that this is a grandma enterprise, that this is a classroom, a, a kindergarten type enterprise. And so, you know, you really need to uh, to man it up a little bit. And again, it doesn't have to look like a you know WWE fight. Pit. Uh, but but you know if you could just kind of make it more gender neutral or add a few accents that both men and women like uh, the guys are going to feel more comfortable coming in if you like what we're doing and would like to support our work please consider making a donation even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come to support this podcast click on the link in the show notes we are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners I think your book has had uh, an influence. I, yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've heard it uh, quoted and, and cited uh, everywhere I go across the country. And but you, you do have a section at the end just on uh, just practical ways, you know, not to give up hope, but uh, here's some things um, the churches can do. Uh, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, Sunday, and and you, you do have an interesting discussion just on even Sunday schools and how little boys, you know, so much of what we ask kids to do in Sunday school are, are, are things girls are, are typically better at when they're younger, verbally and reading or what other things. And, uh, it, it becomes, uh, it, we wonder why the little boys are all acting out and, uh, attention seeking, but, um, but maybe just highlight a couple of things you'd say if a church really says, you know what, we, yeah, we're, I looked around last Sunday and we're definitely predominantly leaning toward the, the, the female side and we're, we're not reaching the men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, 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 you do cite something that's uh, been, you know, used uh, uh, in various settings where there, there's just a, a, a basic truth that applies to the church. And that is uh, the church today is designed to get the results it's getting. And so mm-hmm. if, if your church is attracting more women than men, it's, be, it, it's because you're designed for that. Don't, don't just blame the men. Just understand mm-hmm. you're designed that way to attract women, not men. Um, and so uh, you, but you do offer some hope to say you can make some adjustments. And so what, what would be some of those adjustments you might offer uh, our listeners if they're just really serious about trying to, to change a little bit and be more men friendly in how they do things? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, the good news is, is you, in most cases, you don't have to change your doctrinal statement or, you know, you don't have to change your beliefs. Most, most of the reasons men don't go to church are practical ones. They don't feel comfortable there. Their gifts are not being used. Uh, the church feels like a grandma place, as we've talked about. 
if you want to start with Sunday school, one of the things you can do is just help the boys win every Sunday. Huh. Uh, a few years ago, our church moved away from a classroom style model to a more hyperkinetic model. We hmm. go to the, we attend the largest church in Alaska. My son's on staff there. Uh, we really like the church, and when uh, when the COVID thing is over and the kids can reconvene. Um, the, what they do is they meet, they segregate them by age and they meet in a large room. There's rock climbing walls and balls you can throw around. When the kids come in, it's complete mayhem for the first 15, 20 minutes. Hmm. Uh, so what the boys come in and have a good time. They use, they use their large muscles. They, uh, they're not forced to sit still. Uh, it's not a lot of, uh, drawing and r there is some of that, but there, you know, there's just not a lot of, um, of that sort of uh, classroom type activity where girls ex excel. It's something that both genders can enjoy. Hmm. Uh, I, they tend to keep the verbal lessons short to the point, try to get them active. Uh, the songs, of course, when they do singing, uh, it's, it's lots of body movement, you know, father Abraham stomping and, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you just, you, you've got to do the things that both genders do well at so that neither one is disadvantaged. Hmm. When you're talking about your actual church service, one of the things I always tell preachers is, uh, shorter is better, <laughs> mm -hmm. especially when it comes to men. So if you're the type who likes to preach 45 minutes, try 30 minutes and see if the men don't, uh, start appreciating that, hmm. uh, focus and that's especially important now that we're moving to screen-based teaching um, mm. uh, we people normally do not choose to watch lectures on TV never really have mm. and so uh, you know you're com uh, you're competing not just with the church down the street now you're competing with Netflix mm. and so your sermons have got to be more engaging they've got to get to the point quicker mm. and um, so that's one thing you can do to engage men as well uh, you should preach on topics that men are interested in. Um, uh, I, in the last chapter of my book, I tell the story of it, actually a female pastor who has been successful at reaching men hmm. Uh, hmm. by focusing more on guy-type topics. Her sermon series is around power play, sex, money, you know, success, what is real success, you know, the things that, the questions that men ask. Hmm. So instead of just constantly preaching another sermon on relationships... And so, um, you know, it, there, there's just a ton of uh, practical ideas in there that uh, can help any church, regardless of whether it's the church of 40 people or 4,000 people, uh, reach more men. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a very good resource for that. It is. And I, I encourage our listeners, uh, it, th 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 this is an issue. And, uh, you know, there, I think David has certainly done some great work to help a lot of churches think about this, but uh, but but it is an issue. And, uh, and I'm in a lot of services there there are times where and and you know i'm in i'm in church every sunday i'm i'm in churches all over the country um but but i'll be in some worship services um and th they're asking me to do stuff or seeing stuff that like i i feel uncomfortable and i mean i'm a professional christian <laughs> i'm in church all the time <laughs> and i, I still follow jesus there's a few times it's like i i will not say that i don't care if we're singing and there's a guitar playing like that's just sissy or that's i just don't talk yeah. like that or um and i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm used to singing all kinds of stuff and i'm, I'm happy to, to sing but um but i think some churches just need to stop and think what are we actually asking people to do here and is this where is this taking us um so lots of lots of things we could talk about uh but uh really encourage people to to get this book it's uh, it's been out now since 2005 but uh and, and as David says, and I'm, I'm encouraged to hear some things are changing, but uh, still, I think uh, most churches um, would, would testify we're not reaching our men. And if, if they are there, 
watch them during the song service. Uh, a lot of them are not participating. They're just, you, they're sort of fulfilling a sentence <laughs> that their wife has uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. levied on them. And, uh, but you, you don't see them engaged uh, and enjoying it like you'd hope that they would. And uh, so I think we, we've got to keep working on that. And uh, so I, I really enjoyed this book. In fact, I've got a, my oldest son is a church planter. And uh, as I was just reading through this, I messaged him and said, Mike, get this book. I, as you're building your, your brand new church, uh, you need to just take these ideas and build them right into the fabric of uh, how you do church. And uh, so he's already, he, he made a purchase since then <laughs> uh, on Amazon just to go ahead and get the book. Good. And, and uh, he, he's about a year into the, the church and, and uh, still trying to put things like this in place. So appreciate uh, your contribution to him, too, and his ministry. Well, good. Well, that's terrific. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave, for being with us. And uh, just check our show notes, and uh, you'll see all the ways how to uh, check him out, get his books, and uh, see other books that he's written as well. He's got new ones that are coming out. And uh, thanks again, Dave, for being with us. And I pray God continues to bless you and keep you warm there in Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at